thank you for ushering us into the presence of the Lord. We give God praise for that. We're so thankful for the presence of the Lord. We're so happy that you're here today, and we want to say a great big God bless you to everyone that's tuning in via live stream. We love you. God bless you. Thank you for tuning in this morning. We keep our eyes and our ears attuned to the things of God. Judges chapter 6, beginning with verse 1, the scripture says, And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian seven years. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel. And because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made them the dens, which are in the mountains and caves and strongholds. And so it was when Israel had sown that the Midianites came up and the Amalekites and the children of the east, even they came up against them. And they encamped against them and destroyed the increase of the earth till thou come unto Gaza and left no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep nor ox nor ass. For they came up with their cattle and their tents and they came up as grasshoppers for multitude. For both they and their camels were without number and they entered into the land to destroy it. Now I want you to notice verse 6. Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites. And the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. Verse number 11. And there came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak which was in Ophrah. That pertained unto Joash the Abia's right. And his son Gideon threshed wheat by the wine press to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. And Gideon said unto him, O oh my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? And where be all his miracles which our fathers told us of? Saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? Now the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? And he said unto him, O my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. I want to speak to you this morning on something the Lord has laid upon my heart for this moment, for this hour. The message is this, wheat by the winepress. Wheat by the winepress. Can we lift our voices together unto the Lord and ask his blessing in this house? God, thank you for the gathering of your people. Thank you for the delivery of your word. Thank you for every good and perfect gift that comes down from your presence. Thank you for every blessing, even those that come in disguise. We give you praise today and honor you and worship you and ask for your anointing upon the preacher, upon the preaching, and upon your people. I pray in Jesus' name you will have your way. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we pray in the church said amen. Amen. You may be seated. God bless you. Jesus shared a parable about the kingdom of heaven so many times. He spoke so eloquently 
and, and parabolically about the kingdom of heaven, uh, this great mystery that, 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 that is, this mystery of the fact that God has put within us his kingdom and that we have in us the power of God to overcome. And this was a great mystery, but Jesus began to explain the mystery through various parables. One of the parables that he described was that there is a difference between wheat and tares. He described that the wheat and the tares would grow up together until the time of the end. He talked about a man who sowed wheat into his field. And then, of course, the Bible says that when the man slept and wild men slept, the enemy came in and sowed tares among the wheat. And then tares began to grow up along with the wheat and when they looked out over it, they said, wait a minute, what happened here? You, you sowed good seed into this field. Why are there so many tares in the field? And, and the, the man who owned the field said, the enemy has done this. The enemy has done this. Apparently, while we were resting, while we, while we closed our eyes to rest, the enemy came in and sowed tears among the wheat that had been sowed. But he said, don't worry about it. God's going to take care of it. He said, the fact of the matter is that the wheat and the tares will grow together. You've got to be careful not to pull the tares out prematurely because you'll end up uprooting wheat at the same time. And he said, but, but God's going to sort it all out. God's going to sort it all out. You know, we really have to trust God. We have to trust God to sort it all out. And we have to trust God to give the increase. And we have to trust God to be a, a God who cannot lie, but God who speaks truth and only truth. And so our trust is in the Lord. And he said, he said in the time of the end, the wheat and the tares will be separated uh, one from another. And, and the wheat is going to be gathered together, bundled together, and placed into the barn, and the tares will be gathered together, and they will be burned. And so you want to be careful who you're gathering with. You want to make sure that you're gathered with the wheat that is being prepared for God's glorious kingdom. You want to be certain that you're numbered with the redeemed. You start looking around you and say, wait a minute, I'm bundled up with a bunch of folks who don't believe like me and I'm starting to, I'm starting to wonder where I stand, then you, you, need to, you need to get back to a place of getting real with God. Saying, Lord, I want to be in the number. I want to be gathered together and placed into your eternal kingdom. And so he talked about the fact that, that this place of graduating, if you please, into the eternal kingdom of, of, of God, this place of, of being gathered together and preserved. It, he likened it to when wheat 
grows and is harvested. And he was describing really us. We are either the wheat or the tares. We are either the sheep or the goats. We are either the good or the bad. We are either on the side of the Lord or on the side of evil. We must choose this day who we will serve. And Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And so we have to make this this choice, and then we have to be aware this is what he's talking about. And wheat is this symbol of the scriptures that, that describes goodness and wholeness. It describes and, and depicts a place of spiritual maturity. As a matter of fact, Jesus told Simon Peter, he said to Simon Peter, Look, Simon, the enemy desires to sift you as wheat. He wants to take you down as wheat, but I have prayed for you. He wants to sift you as wheat, even in a place of spiritual maturity. Listen, you can be serving God. You can be walking with God. You can be doing all you know to do to to, to trust in the Lord and serve the Lord. And the enemy still desires to sift you as wheat. Don't ever let your guard down. Don't ever let the enemy get a stranglehold or get a foothold in your life. And uh, this, is what the, this is what Jesus was describing when he was describing the wheat and the tares, the difference. Do you know wheat and tares actually can look the same? It's indistinguishable to the human eye. It takes the, it takes the full-grown maturity of the wheat and the tare to distinguish themselves. One, uh, indis- one distinction between them is that the wheat will eventually bow. That's interesting. The wheat will eventually bow because of the heaviness of the grain. The tear doesn't have good grain, but the wheat has good grain, and the grain that it carries will cause it to bow. And so this is, this is us, ladies and gentlemen. And it's going to be proven in these last days who we really are. When we talk about, oh, it's a test of our faith, that's what it is. It's a test of our faith. Oh, this is a trial by fire. That's exactly what it is. You're on trial. It's a trial by fire. This is going to prove you now whether you are a person who is dedicated to God or not. You are going through a trial of your life. It's important that we pass the test. It's important that we hold fast the profession of our faith. It's important that we are unwavering in this hour. It is important that we don't turn our back on the things of God. It is necessary that we remain committed. Oh, hallelujah. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always, always, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know, your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Now, the scripture describes this man that we read about. His name is Gideon. And, and Gideon was, uh, as he described himself, he was from Manasseh, which is one of the lesser tribes. And he was the least in that tribe. He had a double disadvantage. He was from <clears throat> one of the lesser tribes, Manasseh. And in that tribe, he is self-professed to be the least in the tribe. The Bible says that Israel was going through one of the most difficult struggles of their history. They had gone through one of those periods where they had stopped serving the Lord. They had done evil in the sight of God. And God 
said, okay, I will let you, I'll let you be delivered into the hands of your enemies if that's what you want. You don't want to serve me. You don't believe that I am the God of Israel, so I'm going to let you feel what it's like to not have my protection for a little while, and, 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 and I'm going to let you experience what life is like without me intervening. And they were delivered over into the hands of the Midianites. And they were greatly impoverished because of the Midianites. The Midianites would do something so, it was so cruel. They would, they would watch from a distance. And every time the children of Israel would create a crop, cultivate a crop, they would go through all of the processes involved with developing a crop. And that's, not, that's no small task. That's a lot of work. That's, that's, a, that's a shoulder to the plow. That's a heavy burden to bear. You have to, so much has to go right. And they would plant seed and they would cultivate ground and they would till the ground and they would make sure that the seed was, was, was flourishing underneath and above the ground as much as they possibly could. And then here would come the crop. And every time the crop would come, the Midianites would stand from a far ways off and they would, they would swoop in. And they would steal the crop that the children of Israel had just taken so much time to develop. It was, it was highly unfair. It was deeply cruel. And they would do it over and over again. Every crop that they developed would be stolen from them. Every time they would get one step ahead, they would be sent two steps back. Every time they would make a little bit of progress, it was just broken and shattered by this oppressive enemy that was keeping an eye on them from a distance. And, and this is what was happening while Gideon was threshing wheat by the wine press. I'm talking to you today about wheat by the wine press. That's a strange thing. Now, we don't really deal as much with wheat as, as they did in those days. You know, we have a bread aisle. And so that's, that's what we know about wheat. Do I want it to be 100% whole wheat? And, and that's, that's, that's what we do with wheat. But, but you know, it's a process. And, and before people really applied machinery to it and mass production to it, it, there was a lot that fell on one individual here and one individual there. And, and this idea of being able to create and develop and craft and cultivate a crop of wheat, that was a, that was a big challenge. And the reason that Gideon had to thresh wheat by the wine press is because the wheat threshing process was so, it was so difficult. You had, to, you had to take the stalks of wheat and lay them down on a flat surface. It had to be a flat surface. You had to put a team of oxen together to, to roll across, to walk across the wheat, and they would stomp the wheat as they would walk across the wheat and as they would stomp it back and forth they would go stomping the stalks of wheat that were laying flat on the ground they would stomp it until the grain would become disheveled and, and it would begin to break off from the stalk and 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 you had this this grain that was that was there on the flat ground and it was broken loose from the stalk by the heavy pounding of the hoof of these of these Yokes of oxen, and, and this was the process of threshing wheat, but that wasn't it. Then you had to take the grain that came off the stalk, and you had to throw it into the air. But that in and of itself did nothing. You had to have a heavy wind to come against it 
in the air. While it was in the air, the wind had to hit it just right. And the wind would, would drive away what is called the chaff, which is the, which is the useless part of the grain. It's just the, it just kind of hangs on to it. But, but there's good grain there. You just got to get it loose from the chaff. You, you throw it up into the air. This process is called winnowing. It's the, it's the final part of the threshing process. And, and when you winnow, you throw, the, you throw the grain into the air. The heavy wind hits that grain. And it drives the chaff off into the distance. And the good kernel of grain falls back down to the ground. Now... They had in the, in the Bible days, they had things called threshing floors. These were necessary for threshing for that very reason. You couldn't get wind just anywhere. You couldn't get wind off in some little valley or some little alley or down by some rock or by some wine press. You could only get heavy winds on a threshing floor. They were situated at the tops of mountains. And they were flat surfaces on the tops of mountains. I mean, so much had to be just right in order for you to thresh wheat. It, it had to have a flat surface. It had to be at the top of a mountain. It had to be the perfect, ideal situation in order for wheat to be threshed. Then you take the oxen across those stalks of wheat. The grain is separated from the stalk. Then you take the grain, you throw it into the air, and because you're at the top of the mountain, the heavy winds would come from, from all different directions and would hit that grain because you're at the threshing floor. You're on the top of the mountain. And that heavy wind would come against that grain and the chaff would fall or, or would, would be driven away and the grain would fall. And you would, you would, after a while of winnowing, 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 continual winnowing and heavy winds blowing and the flat surface of the threshing floor. It was the perfect environment. And you're going to get good good wheat you're going to get good grain if you do it just that way but the problem was whenever they would go to the threshing floor at the top of the mountain the Midianites were standing a far ways off watching for whenever somebody came to the top of the mountain came to the flat surface of the threshing floor where they were exposed for the winds to blow and every time they saw somebody come up there with a big big group a gathering of stalks of wheat and a team of oxen they would say all right let's go get it they would let them do all the work they would let them labor they would let them work 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 until it was done and then they would sweep in they would take the harvest for themselves it was total cruelty so Gideon was down by the wine press not ideal it's not a perfect environment it's not a good, it's actually not good at all. You can't get anything done down by the wine press when it comes to wheat. You trample grapes down by the wine press. You don't thresh wheat down by the wine press. The surface isn't flat the way it needs to be down by the wine press. It's, it's flat up on the threshing floor. But I can't get to the threshing floor because the enemy. So I have to thresh wheat down by the wine press. So I don't even know if this is going to work, but we're hungry. I don't even know if this is worthwhile, but we need bread. I don't even know if this is the way it's going to be okay to do it, but we're going to give it our best shot. And so he takes the stalks of wheat and he lays it out over this uneven surface with crevices and, and divots and all sorts of uneven ground. And he gets that team of oxen and he starts to, oxen, he starts to just 
walk them back and forth across the wheat, wobbling as they go. It's not ideal. It's not, it's not at all a good situation. And then I can just see Gideon taking the grain of wheat that had fallen off of the stalk and throwing it up into windless air. Air that had no power, air that just didn't have any strength. There was, there was no wind, there was no gust, there was no ability to break the chaff off of the grain. And so where, where normally under, under ideal circumstances, when everything is going good, when everything is just the way it ought to be, when the surface is flat like you need it to be, and when the wind is blowing like you'd like it to be, this is a good day to thresh wheat, but I don't have wind right now. That didn't stop Gideon. He just kept throwing the wheat into the air. Just throwing the wheat into the windless air. Not getting anything done. Spinning his wheels. Not getting anywhere. Hoping for a gust from heaven that doesn't make any sense. And I don't even know why I'm down here half the time. I just feel like all I do is thresh wheat down by a wine press where I can't get anything done. Where I can't make any progress where there doesn't seem to be anything happening. But what he did not know is that God was watching the whole time. I know I'm preaching to somebody because the Lord told me I'm preaching to somebody who feels like Gideon felt. Somebody who feels like they're spinning their wheels, throwing wheat into windless air, threshing wheat in unideal and imperfect circumstances. Your situation is not how it's supposed to be. The ground isn't flat. The threshing floor isn't situated where it needs to be. There's no advantage here. Everything is against me. But here I am, spinning my wheels, making no progress. But I am going to thresh this wheat. Lord, help me. Lord, help me. Help me have bread. Lord, I need something because there's hunger in the land and there's an enemy on the prowl. God was watching the faithfulness of this man, Gideon. He was looking down by the wine press. See, some people think God only sees what happens on the mountaintop. The Bible said the Father sees in secret. Everything that you do in secret, the Lord is watching what you do in secret. So let me tell you something. Pray in secret. Fast in secret. Love in secret. Reach out in secret. Hallelujah. The Father who sees in secret shall reward you openly. God was watching Gideon the whole time. And while he's, while he's watching Gideon the whole time, he dispatches an angel of the Lord. The angel appears unto Gideon, not on the threshing floor, not on the mountaintop. He appears to Gideon by the wine press. Hallelujah. He appears to Gideon in the imperfect circumstances. He appears to Gideon when things aren't going the way they need to go. He appears to Gideon while Gideon is being faithful but making no progress. And he says unto him, Gideon, thou mighty man of valor. And Gideon's response was, oh my Lord. Oh my Lord. Uh, Lord, I, really? That's who I am? I'm a mighty man of valor? I'm from the least tribe of any of the tribes, and I'm the least of that tribe. I'm like at the bottom, I'm below the bottom of the barrel. 
I don't even know who you're talking to right now. Is there another Gideon threshing wheat down by this wine press from a different tribe with a different set of circumstances who has a better status? Because that's not how I see myself. And I pray that God will let you see you the way he sees you. I pray that God will let you see yourself the way he knows you to be. You are a mighty man of valor. You are a mighty woman of valor. You are an individual that has courage, that has faith. Why else would you be faithful in the middle of such adverse circumstances? Hallelujah. But here you are, and the angel of the Lord shows up. It says, Gideon, you mighty man of valor. He said, I've been watching what you're doing. You're threshing wheat down by the wine press. People have called you crazy. People have said it's no use. You have wondered if you're wasting your time. But I've been watching you the whole time. And, and, and this is what Gideon said. Gideon said, where be the God of our fathers? And where be all his miracles? Have you ever felt like that before? Where you've said, I, 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 where is the God of our fathers? And where are all of his miracles? Listen, when you're down by the wine press, there can be those questions to emerge in your mind. Notice that even though he had those questions, it never stopped him from being faithful to threshing wheat. It never stopped him from believing that the wheat can grow, that there can be spiritual growth, that there can be a divine provision. Yeah, I've got questions in my mind, but it's not going to stop me from being faithful. Yeah, I'm wondering where is the Lord right now, but it's not going to stop me from being faithful. Yeah, I'm wondering where are the miracles, but it's not going to stop me from being faithful. I've come to preach to somebody today. Be faithful over a few things and he'll make you ruler over many things hallelujah I know you've got an enemy I know these are tough times I know you feel like you've been shoved off your mountaintop and you're stuck down by some wine press spinning your wheels all through 2020 but hear ye the word of the Lord God has seen your faithfulness Hallelujah. God has observed your faith in him. God has observed your confidence in his word. And he's going to show up. Don't stop praying. Don't stop worshiping. Don't stop believing. Don't stop coming to the house of God. And if you can't come to the house of God yet, don't stop tuning in online. Keep your eyes on the prize. Keep your focus where it needs to be. Hallelujah. Thresh wheat. If you've got to thresh it by a wine press, thresh wheat. I will have wheat. There will be wheat. I will not drift off into a backslidden condition. I will not drift off into a defeated position. I will not begin to feel of myself or see myself as less than what God has designed me to be. He called me to be wheat in these troubled times. He called me to be a good soldier in this hour of difficulty. He called me to be a man of God, a man of faithfulness. A man of prayer. Hallelujah. And if I have to thresh wheat in less than ideal circumstances, that's what we're going to do. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You know, we don't have very ideal circumstances right now. Do you know how much I wish we had that new building? 
Do you know how bad I want that new building? I almost preached in the soccer field this morning. I've been envisioning it. Oh, my goodness, I can't wait to get in that new building. We could have everybody here all together. Hallelujah. You better enjoy social distancing for a little while because it won't last long. We're going to fill it up in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. You hear what I'm telling you? I know these aren't the most ideal of circumstances. Multiple services are tough. They're different than when we're all together. I understand that. But you've been faithful. Stay faithful. Stay faithful. Stay focused. God sees it. God's watching it. And God's going to give you the increase because of it. Gideon, I'm watching you down there being faithful in less than ideal circumstances. I see you down there threshing wheat when things aren't going exactly as you want them to go. I see you on the uneven surfaces. I see you with a team of oxen trying to, trying to ram them through these, these tight turns and twists by the wine press. I, I see you, Gideon. And I've sent an angel to come and speak to you. You mighty man of valor. Hallelujah. Do you know God lifted Gideon up out of that wine press? He didn't stay in the wine press long. Hallelujah. God lifted him up. God gave him direction. God said, I'm going to give you victory over your enemies. Hallelujah. He started out with 32,000 men. And God said, here, Gideon, I'm going to give you, I'm going to get you who you need here. All right, you've got 32,000. Now tell everybody that wants to go home, then go home. And Gideon said, well, I guess there'll be a few. I mean, but I've got 32,000. There might be a few that want to go home. And he said, all right, if you want to go home, you guys can go home. 22,000 people said, oh, thank you. I really appreciate that. And they all left. 22,000. Whoa. Whoa. Then it was down to 10,000 men. And, and, and Gideon was like, 10,000? Okay, whoa. 10,000 is at least manageable. But, but I mean, God, can, God has worked with less than 10,000. So I think 10,000, we're all right. So we'll, we'll take 10,000. I mean, that's less than ideal. But we'll take the 10,000. So he takes the 10,000. And God said, ah, I, think, I, think, I don't think that's a quite, quite the right number. Gideon said, yeah, yeah, I was thinking we needed more. And God said, no, 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 we actually, that's way too many. He said, take them down to the brook. Let them drink. Watch how they drink. <laughs> and Gideon said, oh, man, you know what? There's probably a pretty decent percentage that could, that could drink the wrong way and mess this whole thing up. I've got 10,000 men. I could, imagine, I could imagine almost half of them. And if half of them drink the wrong way, I'll have 5,000 men. So he said, all right, take him down to the brook. He takes him down to the brook, and he said, all right, y'all get something to drink. God said, stand back and observe. And he said, everybody who lays their weapons aside and, and, and puts their face in the water drinking and lays down flat on their stomach drinking, that you don't want them in this battle. But those who keep their weapons intact, kneel down and, and take the water in their hand, that's who you want. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, God's watching how we drink right now. And, I, and I'm going to tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. There are things we're not laying down. We're holding on to the weapons of our warfare. They're not carnal. They're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. This isn't the time to set aside prayer. This isn't the time to set aside fasting. This isn't the time to set aside worship. This isn't the time to set aside loving your neighbor. This isn't the time to set aside doctrine. This isn't the time to set aside holiness. This isn't the time to set aside the weapons that bring us the victory. No, no. We 
got to keep our weapons intact and drink of the waters of life freely. Hallelujah. He watched as that army of 10,000 men went down to the brook and 9,700 of them drank the wrong way. Are you kidding me? If I'm getting, I'm running up and down the bank. Hey, hey, stop it. What are you doing? I need you in this battle. But God said, no, I don't need 32,000, and I don't need 9,700. All I need is 300 men to fight this battle. And they went out onto the mountaintop. Now, you know what? They fought the battle in a different way than what they would have fought it. They had 300 elite soldiers who went out onto the mountainside. And at the appropriate time, oh, hallelujah, the Lord was going to give them the signal. They had a lamp, a lamp, a lantern, and inside that pitcher was a fire, and this fire was going to burn bright in the mountainside, but it was concealed by the pitcher. The Lord gave them the signal, and they shouted, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon, and they broke the pitcher, sounded the trumpet, and they charged. The light illuminated the mountainside. I want you to know, ladies and gentlemen, we might be by the wine press at this time, but God is lifting us where we need to be, and he's going to shatter everything thing that conceals the light it's time to let the light shine it's time to let our light so shine before men that they glorify our father in heaven by seeing our good works I love the way that that is stated let your light so shine before men don't just let it shine let it so shine that they look at your good works And they glorify your Father which is in heaven. If they're not looking at your good works and glorifying your Father which is in heaven, then you need to let the light shine brighter. Let it shine brighter. Let it shine so much that when they look at your good works, they say, what kind of a God? What a mighty God they serve. What a good God. What a glorious God. We've got a battle to win. We've got a kingdom to advance. We've got a work to do yeah the enemy has raised his head in 2020 like we haven't seen him raise it in a while but if you think we're going to stop threshing wheat you've got another thing coming you don't know the God we serve you don't know the calling that's upon us you don't know the anointing that rests within us we'll thresh wheat by the wine press till the angel shows up Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. We'll thresh wheat in the middle of adverse circumstances. We will grow. It doesn't matter where we grow, where we go. We're going to grow wherever we go. It doesn't matter what we're up against. I will not surrender. I will not retreat. I will not turn back. I'll not go back. God has given us this city. God has given us his word. We're going to do a work for the Lord in the middle of difficult circumstances. Stances, we're gonna thresh wheat. If we gotta thresh it by the wine press, we're gonna thresh wheat. Something's gotta get down inside of you that says, I will, I absolutely will have wheat when this is all said and done. Jacob fought with that angel, that messenger of the Lord, all night long until the breaking of the day. Hallelujah! And the and the messenger of the Lord. Broke his thigh, touched the hollow of his thigh. He he actually wounded him so severely in his thigh that it went to the very center 
of his thigh. And, and, and Jacob was severely wounded in this battle. But when the messenger of the Lord said, let me go, for the day is breaking, Jacob said, you have got to be kidding. I'm not letting you go. I didn't wrestle all night long to leave this thing without a blessing. I will be blessed. I'm going to come out of this thing more blessed than I've ever been in my life. I know you've been wrestling all night long. You hear me, those of you who are watching online, I know it's been a long night of fighting and struggling and, and scrapping with some kind of a mysterious adversary, but you hear me, keep on fighting and don't give up. Hallelujah, because there's a blessing that's coming. God has seen your faithfulness. Down by the wine press. Hallelujah. When David the king was bringing the ark of God home. The Bible says that he took it out of the house of Abinadab. And he put the ark upon a new cart. And he, and he had the oxen to carry the ark. And the oxen was, they were carrying the ark. And, 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 and here were the, the soldiers of Israel surrounding the ark. And they were seeing it. To its, where it's going to be placed. And as they're walking, the Bible said they came to Nashon's threshing floor. They're up on a high peak. And there's a flat surface. And, and one of the most amazing stories of the Bible unfolds. The, the, the ark of God's covenant begins to shake. And, and it nearly tilts over. And Yuza reaches out his hand to steady the ark. And when he reaches out his hand to steady the ark, he dies. It was such a fearful thing that David was like, oh, whoa, nobody touch it. Wow, this is a lot more sacred than I even realized. Nobody even touched this ark. Who can touch the holiness of God? It scared David. And we talk a lot about the various elements of this. Why was it on a new card? It was supposed to be carried by the priests. Why was, why was Yuza trying to steady it? Don't, don't touch the things that God has ordained only for the high priest. And, and all of these different questions. But here's what I want to ask. Why did the cart shake? What shook the cart? Why did the ark wobble? The answer is in the scriptures. The answer says the oxen did it. The oxen shook the cart and when they shook the cart the ark of God became unwieldy and unsteady and it was starting to tip and Yuza reached out his hand to steady it and he died the oxen shook the cart because of the fact that they knew where they were they were on a threshing floor and these creatures of habit knew what it meant to come to a threshing floor when you come to a threshing floor you stomp wheat. That's what you do when you come to a threshing floor. But that's not why we're here today. doesn't matter why we're here today. I've been trained all my life. When I come to this threshing floor, I stomp wheat. I pick up one big hoof and lay it down. And I pick up another big hoof and I lay it down. And I stomp that wheat. And I go back and forth stomping that wheat. And here, these creatures of habit come to the threshing floor. There's no wheat on the threshing floor. There are no stalks. It's 
barren. There's nothing there. But you couldn't convince them otherwise. They picked up those big shoulders and pushed their hoof to the ground. And every time they picked it up and laid it down, the ark was shaking and becoming unwieldy. This is what we have to understand, ladies and gentlemen. It doesn't matter if there's any wheat or not. Stomp the wheat. It doesn't matter if the circumstances are ideal or not. Thresh the wheat. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if the ark is where it's supposed to be. It doesn't matter if everything is as you're used to it being. Do what God called you to do. Do what God anointed you to do. Don't turn back. Don't look back. Go forward in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. We're going to have wheat by the wine press. We're going to have wheat by the wine press. I said we're going to have wheat by the wine press. We're going to have a revival by the wine press. We're going to have the move of God wherever we are, whatever we're facing. Hallelujah. Glory. Last Sunday, Arbel DeVita was having service. There weren't, there weren't as many people here for Arbel de Vida, because this is a unique time we're living in. And so not as many people were able to be here. And so they came together for service. But one of them that was here, one of the saints that was here, Brother Jariel. Brother Jariel, could you just kind of wave your hand there in the back? God bless him. He was one of the, he was one of the very few that were here for Arbel de Vida. But God filled him with the gift of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. I want you to know that that's what God is doing by the wine press. It may not be like it always is. We might be in a unique season. These might be difficult times. But God still has a church and God still has a plan. And God's going to move his plan forward. And we're going to see the glory and the miracles of God. Whether the devil likes it or not. Whether the Midianites like it or not. God is on the throne. God has a plan and a purpose and a providence for his people. I wonder if there's a Gideon in the house of God this morning that can lift up a praise unto God and say, I will have spiritual growth in the middle of this challenging time. I'm going to have a revival. Hallelujah. We're going to have a revival in our home. Come on, stand with me and put your hands together. Stand with me and put your hands together. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. I'm excited to see who's going to get the Holy Ghost next. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Promise just received the Holy Ghost a couple of Sundays ago. Promise, can you raise your hand? Glory to God. With a name like Promise, you got to get the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. And I'm going to tell you, there's a, lot, there's a lot of you that have a promise of God hanging over your head. All you got to do is reach out and get a hold of it and say, I believe the promises of God. I stand upon the promises of God. The devil can't take that away from me. The adversary cannot take that away from me. Hallelujah. If you've been wrestling with some depression, why don't you go ahead and give God praise? If you've been wrestling with feelings of worry, why don't you give God praise? If you've been wrestling with feelings, if the devil's been lying to you about you being defeated, why don't you give God some praise right now? It's time to have revival by the wine press. It's time to thresh wheat by the wine press. 
Woo, hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know what? The singers are getting ready to sing, but you don't have to wait on them. You can give him praise right where you are. You can shout unto God with the voice of triumph. We're getting ready to sing, but hear hear what I'm telling you. You know, we we make this mistake a lot. we got to have the circumstances just perfect, don't we? We want that flat ground. Give me that flat ground. Give me my favorite song, then I'll shout. i got to have that flat ground. Give me that mountaintop, and then you'll, you'll see some crying and talking in tongues like you've never seen. You give me that mountaintop, you give me that flat ground, you give me that perfect team of oxen. And Gideon said, I don't, I'll stomp the wheat if I have to stomp the wheat. I may not be as big and heavy as an ox, but I'll stomp whatever I've got to stomp. I'm going to have a move of God in this hour. Hallelujah. Don't wait for the music to start. Give him praise right now. Don't wait for the circumstances to be ideal. Give him praise right now. Come on, believe God. Believe God for the miracle right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. There's a move of God in this house. There is a move of God in this house. Some of you are waiting for your circumstances to become ideal. And God is saying, no, praise me now. Worship me now. Serve me now. <laughs> Serve me by the wine press of your life. Serve me by the wine press of your situation. Is there somebody in this house? Is there a mighty man or woman of valor in this house who believes the word of the Lord? God's going to give you victory. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. My God, I, I feel your presence. For Gideon, it was an angel who said, you mighty man of valor. For you, it was just a preacher who's certainly no angel, but a preacher of righteousness who will stand behind this pulpit and tell you, hey, hey, hey. I rebuke the lie of the enemy off of you in Jesus' name. I rebuke defeat off of you in Jesus' name. I rebuke depression off of you in Jesus' name. I rebuke poverty off of you in Jesus' name. It's time to stand up, Gideon. You're a mighty man of valor. You've proven that in difficult times, you'll be faithful to God. You've proven that in challenging times, you're going to be focused on the things of God. Hallelujah. I want somebody right now to step out of their comfort zone. You can come to the front of this house, or you can stay where you are. But I want you to step out in praise right now. Step out into the aisle. Do something. Let God move on you right now. Hallelujah. Come on, let God move on you right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I, I will have a victory. <laughs> Such an easy thing for you to Woo! do. Thank you, Jesus. Your hand yes, is moving right now. Yes, it is, Lord. You are still showing
Cause you made